the reading for today. We have three of them. One is Matthew uh, 5, verse 14 to 16. Jesus says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise our Heavenly Father. The second reading is from uh, 1 Peter 3.12. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And the third reading is from Ephesians verse 3, 20 to 21. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than what we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Joel. Well, this morning we are privileged to have a a guest teacher, speaker, and her name is Carol Potratz. Uh, I've known Carol for many years, and uh, she has a very rich history of being involved in ministry, uh, particularly through the North American Baptist Conference, the conference of which we're part of this church. So she served uh, with our conference in a number of capacities, including being down here at Taylor just uh, on 23rd Avenue. She spent uh, considerable years there as well. She is much more than a denominational core leader. She's a kingdom leader. Uh, Most of all, she's a kingdom leader. She's been in Japan for the last three, four years, and... uh, She's been there serving other leaders, mentoring uh, leaders who are working as missionaries in Japan. She has been uh, ministering to the Japanese church, reaching out to the Japanese uh, people. And she is retiring from uh, missionary service in Japan. Uh, She has spent nearly the last year uh, circulating to the churches that uh, have supported her, And uh, she has brought them up to date, as she will with us today, with uh, life in Japan and uh, tell a bit of her story. So we're delighted to welcome you. So I just want you to to welcome her, and then we're going to watch a DVD. So let's welcome her first. So here's a DVD that will just give you a little bit of background, and then Carol, please come. I went to Japan when I was 25 years of age for the very first time. I went for two years because our denomination had started a short-term mission program. I was one of the second group that went. It was exciting, and it set the pace for me for the rest of my life. It helped set my spiritual direction and my clear service for God. What God wanted me to do this time was to disciple and evangelize. Disciple Becky and Amber, whom I worked with, but also to disciple the people that were coming because God was drawing them to us. 
I also got to evangelize in the classes. We decided to set out a creative program for the center that changed a bit of what the Lankenfelds had been doing. We kept what they were doing in the form of classes and we switched Joy Chapel over to be like Crossroad, which was a little bit different. It's a worship service, an outreach service twice a month. We then did also a monthly event, which was a different focus each month, reaching a different aspect of our community. Children, or internationals, or the totally unreached, or maybe to edify and teach Christians. The third thing we did was have a movie night. I love this. It was a way to engage the international student population right across the street from us. These past four years have been phenomenal. They have introduced me to various people in various situations. I told you along the way about Noriko. Noriko is a gal who was pursuing her doctorate. And she, she told me that I could tell my prayer supporters to pray for her. Little by little, she's learned that he affects people. He is interested in what we're interested in. A lady named Anna, who through these last four years has decided that, you know what? This God of the Bible is the one true God. She was baptized this year. Why? Why are these lives changed? Because you believed in prayer enough to pray for them. There have been many things that have happened these past four years. There have been tsunamis. There's been eclipses. There have been blue moons. All of these things have caused people in Japan to really think about eternity to think about God, to think about creation, and you help them begin to think of differently because you believed in me to go there and work with them. We had courses, we had movie nights, we had monthly events, we had ladies' teas, we had Crossroad. These things were just many different variations of how to present the gospel in forms that could be embraced by the people there. God was felt, let me tell you, over and over again. And people said, wow, there's a different spirit here. People could sense and feel God because you trusted us to represent you and to be Christ in their midst. What an exciting opportunity for us to reach the community where God had placed this center. Wow, thank you. Because of you, we were able to do that, reaching out to many of those students and our neighbors in creative and different ways. Thank you so much. My heart is full of thanks for you. My heart is full of praise to God for you. Thank you so much for trusting me enough to go to Japan and represent you. Domo arigatou gozaimashita. Thank you from all my heart. Thank you. Watashi wa chikyuu no hashi kara anata o totta. Sono moto mo toi kona. Kara watashi wa anata o yonda. Watashi wa anata wa watashi no shimo bideiryu to itta. Watashi wa anata o eranda. あなたを拒否していない
私はあなたと共に恐れていない私はあなた方の神のために落胆することはありません私はあなたを強めあなたを助けます私は私の正義の右手であなたを支持します Hey, if only I had a little more money. Then, you know, then I would really. No, actually, for me, if only I had a little less money. Then I would. Well, if I could speak more eloquently, then, then I would. What is it for you? What holds you back from really being all that you could be for God? What is it? Because for all of us, it's different. And for some of us, nothing holds us back because we don't really want to take that risk. We haven't quite trusted this God that we've come here. I mean, we give him Sunday. Come on. What, how much more do you want? Kind of like the people that the guy in the video was talking about. You know, we worshiped him on Sunday. We sang Hosanna. Come on, I even threw my coat in front of the donkey. Like, give me a break. But he wants more than that. And when you give him more than that, look out. Because he will explode out of you like sunshine through a crack. He will come like electricity. I experienced that in Japan, Terwilliger, because of you. Because you actually trusted me to be your hands and feet there. God used me in ways that shocked me. He helped me in unbelievable ways. Come on. I went at 60. I didn't know Japanese. I lived on my own. Who do you think was going to help me do grocery shopping? Who do you think was going to help me read the little manual? How do you work this shower? It's not set up like ours. How do you turn on the gas and why does it keep shutting off? I couldn't read that manual. How do you think I got help? It's because of you, Terwilliger, because you actually, when you prayed, <laughs> You believe that the God we came here this morning to worship would hear you. That's why we read 1 Peter. Because God says to you, My eye is on you, and my ear is listening to your prayers. That's who we worship this morning. I was thinking about really what do I want to say to you? I want to talk to you about the kind of people God uses. I'm one of those people. And you think, Well, yeah, well, you're a missionary. I mean, you know, like I am so far from being a missionary. Hey, I wasn't born a missionary. My, when my parents brought me home, hey, a missionary! Look at here! Wow! Boy or girl, a missionary! Yeah! It doesn't work like that, as you well know. I'm just a regular, ordinary, kind of average person. I, I was a farm kid, just like Pastor Ken, farm kids. You don't. Start out in any special way, just like any other kid. 
But the Holy Spirit comes to you and whispers to you in a place that only he can access. And when you're listening, and when you allow him to be your strength, that's when you really understand even the songs we sang this morning. That's when you get it. And until you listen at that level, you won't get it. You'll only get a little taste. It's kind of like going to a buffet and realizing, oh, there were four tables. I thought there was just this one. I wondered why there was just, you know, plates, napkins, and silverware. I thought, what a gyp for $14.95. Like, this is really a ripoff. And that's what some of you get on Sundays. A plate, a napkin, and the cutlery. You miss it. This morning, I just want to tell you a little bit about my story so that maybe you can have a glimpse that if God could use Carol Potratz, there is so much hope for you because I am one of those basic three-talent people. I'm not one of those ten-talent guys. I was greatly influenced when I was younger by a, a gospel singer named Andre Crouch. He died in January. It was very sad to me. He, his words to the music that he wrote, the lyrics, the, the music, really spoke to my soul. And by God's grace, last year I had the privilege of meeting him at his church, he and his twin sister, Sandra. Um, it was really a cool experience that I don't have time to tell you about, but one of my students was led to the Lord by him. And then she came back to Japan and found our center and my Bible class and came to it. And I was shocked that she would go to Los Angeles and on an English trip would meet Andre Crouch. What? Wow. I was shocked and blessed. Well, this song really sums up my life. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it so you really can hear it. If I sang it, you'd be going. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. In fact, there have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. I've been to a lot of places I've seen a lot of faces. There have been times I've felt so all alone. But in those lonely hours, those blessed lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was his own. I thank God for the mountains, and I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he brought me through. For if I would have never had a problem, I wouldn't know that he could solve it. I wouldn't really know what faith in God could do. I've long appreciated that song because the words are tough. How many people can say, yeah, I love those valleys. Yeah, I might love the valleys after in Kananaskis when you go down from the mountain and go to the valley. But in life, who likes the valleys? Nobody. We don't go, yes. I got fired! Woo! Now, that is not your common story. And you kind of wonder about people like that. 
uh, I was the fifth of eight children born to my farm parents, Adam and Nellie Potratz. I grew up in a little rural area, went to a rural church all my life. My Christian conversion, my baptism, my early Christian experience came as direct results of tragedies in my family's life. I really have to say I experienced the living Christ in my home. I saw Christ leak out of my parents. I saw Christ shout through my parents' actions. We had one boy, seven girls in our family. And when my brother was killed in a car accident at 23 years of age, I understood for the first time what it meant for God to give his son when I, my dad had a practice of kneeling, my dad was old when I was born, okay? He was 55 when I was born. There were three younger than me. When my dad would go to bed, he would kneel by his bed and pray out loud for all of us kids, reciting all of our sins. And, I mean, if you slept next door, you'd hear everybody's sins, he would start with his, he'd mention my mom's, he'd mention ours, like, thanks, Dad. You think it's a joke. I wish it were. It was not funny. When I had friends stay overnight, do you think this was interesting? I'm telling you, this is the truth. Well, when my brother died, I'd never heard my dad cry, actually. And when my brother died, um, I was... 11, uh, I understood, if you've ever heard Cameroonian missionaries, if you've ever heard them talk about die cry, well, I got it. My dad, when he went to bed that night, he just wailed, no, like, Louder than that, but, you know, I kind of feel for some of you up front here. Those of you in the back, piece of cake, but kind of a lot up here. My dad said, oh, God. Oh, God. 66 years old, and I finally understand a bit of the depth of what you experienced for me. That you would give your only son for me. Oh, God, for you to turn your face and let him die for me. Thank you. Thank you. If it took the death of my son for me to get this, thank you. But God, help my daughters to get it. If Larry had to die so they could understand who you are, praise be to God. Help Carol and Dixie and Cindy to really understand what this cross means. You know, if you're 11, my brother was my hero. I wanted to grow up to be a boy just like him. I, I really, really admired him. I liked Superman a lot. I was pretty impressed by the Hulk. But I'll tell you what, 
They didn't stand a shadow compared to my brother. That night will go down in my memory forever. And I got it for the first time. You see, I always thought my dad was cool. He was kind of like this ball. But that night, I saw the living Christ in my dad. In a way I had never seen. I understood you are the light of the world. Because when I saw my dad, when I heard him pray like that, he did light up that room for me. Terwilliger, when you're absent, who misses your light? What holds you back from letting the light of Christ just burst out of you at work on Monday? What is it that holds you back from letting the light of Christ just leak all around you at school, in your home, in your neighborhood? I don't know, because I don't know all of you, but I know Christ. And I know that when he's allowed to be fully present, there is no mistake. There is something mysterious there. Not just a person with a willing heart. That was my dad. A lot happened between when I was 8 and 11, 8 and 10, 11. I met Florence Miller for the first time. She came to our VBS. She taught us how to play this really cool game called rocks, paper, scissors. Have you heard of it? Oh, three of you. Terwilliger, you need to get out more. Let me just tell you right now, it's really a cool game. And I want you to know, 50 kids were there. We all played the game till it got down to two of us. Rocks, paper, I go to show. You know, John Ken Pope, I go to show. And I won. So I want you to know, I won this. So yes, it is now a very antique book. I won it when I was eight. It's a long time ago. And... I carried it around with me for 52 years wondering, what does this book say? So I took it to Japan with me and finally found out. Unfortunately, it's not, you know, rocket science. It's a cute flower dance. That's basically the summary of the whole book. But I'll tell you more about that book later. What happened also when I met Florence Miller that day at Vacation Bible School was she told us a story. I was eight years old. She told us a story about a girl named Kayoko Okura. And she, I, we're like, what? Kayoko Okura. We're like, one more time. Kayoko Okura. And we're like, kaka, kaka, kaka. What in the world? We couldn't catch it. So I called her Kay. Kay, what about Kay? Well, Kay is a young girl. She's eight years old. And she has so many fears. She's afraid of insects. She's afraid of spiders. She's afraid of the dark. She's afraid of the night. She's afraid of strangers. She's afraid of anybody she has never met. Well, that's quite a few people. I thought, this poor kid. And then Florence said, would you please pray for her? I got to tell her about Jesus twice. Now there's no one to tell her because there's no Christian witness in her town. Zero. Terwilliger, if you kept your mouth quiet about Jesus, would Jesus' entire witness in your neighborhood be silent? Is there anyone else talking about Jesus if you're quiet? 
What holds you back? What keeps your mouth closed when you could be speaking up? Only you can answer that. I promised to pray for Kay that day. So did the rest of the kids in our vacation Bible school. Every time I saw the face on this book, I remembered to pray for Kay. And I did. And I asked, Lord, that someday when I get to heaven, could I please see her? Could I meet her? Because I know that he was going to lead her to the Lord. And I knew that he was going to have a Christian meet her. And I've trusted that because I believe in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 that you heard read earlier. You can ask and he will give you more, more than you ask. In fact, he'll give you more than you can imagine. Now that's a lot. Because some of you, like me, can imagine quite a bit. My mother developed cancer during those years. And you know, I already told you my dad was old. By this time, my dad is 66. I didn't even know what cancer was, to tell you the truth. I'm 10, 11 years old. I thought cancer, actually, every time my mom left home and came back, she had brought another baby with her. So really, I thought my mom was pregnant. And I thought, cancer is a goofy name, but oh well. My dad goes, this is not funny. I said, Dad, I don't, what is cancer? He said, it's a disease that you die from. Oh my goodness. My dad is 66. I'm thinking he could die any second. My mom, my mom was 21 years younger than my dad. So we thought, whoa, my mom, if anything happens to her, how can my dad raise? My youngest sister was four. My next sister was six and a half. And I was actually at that time nine. My church formed a prayer team. They prayed for three days, 24 hours a day. They came to the church one or a family, depends on how they signed up. And they'd come for one hour, and then they would leave when another one came. And for 24 hours, for three days, they, they prayed like that. Now, some of you practical people might think, you got to be kidding. Why don't they just pray at home? They could set their alarm, get up, pray. Yeah, they could have. But they wanted to purpose, to be in God's house, And to let God know they really meant this. God, they wrestled in prayer with God. My dad brought all of us. We were in the front row kneeling, begging God to let our mother live so that she could raise us. By God's grace and through those prayers, my mom was healed. Praise be to God. That's the God we came here this morning to worship. That's the God that Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is talking about. If you ask him and it's in his will, he will hear your prayer and answer it. I know I experienced it. I experienced it then when I was a child. And I experienced it in Japan because of you. I accepted the Lord as my Savior during those years and I was baptized. Wow, eh? (laughs) What? a chunk of years and a lot of things that happened. Four years later, not um, just lots of things happened in those years, as I told you. But what I want to say, with my brother's death, two months later, my only grandmother died. 
And a month later, my aunt who lived with us, she was like a second mom, also died. Death has a way of making you really appreciate life. The giver and the maker of life and how you're using your own life. It comes like a thief and just snatches people that you really care about away. But it also helps you realize these people aren't ours. They're on loan to us. But God, the God of heaven and earth, is ours because he's in us if you invite him. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will strengthen you to handle whatever it is you're facing. I know because I've experienced that. He is true to his name. He says he is peace because he's the prince of peace. He says he's the way maker because he can cut a path. He can make a highway through the Red Sea like a hot knife through butter. Come on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Terwilliger, I just want to come and slap your face. I want to go, hello, are you there? Are you with me? You guys, I'm not making it up. And some of you have lived this. And some of you are still discovering who is this God? Who is he? Talk to anybody around you. The God we came here this morning to worship is present. He is so present. He is all around us and longs, longs for you to invite him to a deeper level. I had big dreams when I was in university. I was studying. I had a triple major because I couldn't make up my, dis- my mind what I really wanted to do. So I majored in art, speech, and drama because I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I wanted to go to New York and really make it big. Either that or work for Hallmark Cards and be a designer. One or the other. I knew, I knew that God would, he'd given me the talents. I knew it was his plan. Even though many years ago when Florence Miller was at our church, I felt called to ministry. I thought, ministry, hey, being a comedian, you can have that as a ministry. Every door shut, shut, shut. Many other tragedies happened in the midst of that. My mom got cancer again. My youngest sister was killed in a car accident. And the day, the day I had an appointment at the international office for Hallmark Cards as a graphic designer, I was in Sumner, Iowa, having emergency surgery. Obviously, God had other plans. So I thought, great, I have to be a teacher. Okay. Reluctantly, I used my other degree, teaching. But I have to say, it's been quite a ride. And the Lord has honored, honored that preparation. What is it that you're reluctant about for him? What is it that holds you back from really using the gifts he gave you for him? Perhaps 
That's the very thing he wants to prompt you into. I don't know. I don't know you that well. I wish I did. I wish I was sitting face to face with you and asking, so what is it for you? How about you? What's he asking of you? How about you? I don't know. As you saw in the video, the short-term mission opportunity that he allowed me to go on, it changed who I was. It took who I was to a deeper level that I hadn't known because I had to trust him in ways I never did. Like how many of you have to trust him to get you to the grocery store? I don't think so. You don't even have to use your Navi, navigator. You don't even need a GPS or Google for that. You can just drive over there. Well, here I am in Japan. I can't even read the road signs. Come on. I'm thinking, Lord, where is the grocery store? And when you get there, what is this? I needed him for everything. And I'm grateful to you, Terwilliger, for praying for me on that. What else did God do because you prayed? I put a few things up here. If you want to see later, come on up. But what, what I put up here was an apron. Because God, because you prayed, God gave us ideas for creative classes. I've taught cooking for years. But just to individuals, I taught it to whole groups. One of my prayer partners felt prompted in prayer. She's a seamstress. Hey, Carol, is there anything you need? Yeah, I need some aprons. Oh, she made some. Another one of my prayer partners is she does graphic designs on people's clothes like she does, you know, Joe's Bowling Alley, uh, Falcons, uh, all of that kind of stuff. She did all of the designs because I sent her the graphics, our logo, which also came as a result of prayer. One of, one of my friends who's a graphic designer in Edmonton, I sent him the logo I, d- I created, he made a graphic that fit into a computer, sent it back to me because I didn't know how to do that, computerize it. Then I took that and sent it, after he sent it from Edmonton, I sent it to Kansas and she embroidered it on the apron. Another one of my supporters who's not a Christian said, I don't want to be sending money to any Baptist group. So I said, hey, how would you like to send a box of aprons to me? You can foot the postage. I'd love to. So he paid for the postage of the aprons to come to Japan. All of that is a result of you. Because you prayed that we would be able to have creative ideas and good stewardship to work the ideas. Thanks, Terwilliger. That's what happened because of you. There's an apron. The cookbooks are on the table. Um, many other things up here, but I want to keep going because I want to tell you a really cool story. It has to do with Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Before I went to Japan the first time, my mom had cancer and she was told that she had... No, she was told nothing. We were told she had six weeks to six months to live. We thought, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. I don't think I should go. So I was, I was praying. I was asking different people, what should I do? I asked my mom's sister. My mom's sister said, well, it's clear you should not go. Carol, this is no time for a long vacation. It's not a vacation. I'm a missionary. She goes, oh, well, whatever you want to call it. Then another, my sister, one of my older sisters said, Carol, 
I hope you get it through your head. You should not go to Japan. What? I, I didn't know what to do. So I went, I decided I'm going to go to the hospital and I'm going to, in a vague way, talk to my mom about Japan. So I go to the hospital. I'm on the elevator. There's this doctor and he says to me, aren't you Mrs. Potratz's daughter? I said, yeah, I am. And he said, well, you know she has about six weeks to six months to live. You better not take that vacation in Japan. I said, sir, it's not a vacation. Well, whatever you want to call it, you better stay home because your departure could shorten that time frame. And he got off the elevator. Do you know how I felt? Confused? Sick? Troubled? I didn't know what to do. Go to my mom's room. Um, I had a painting with me. We tried to make her room look as comfortable as possible, as much like home as we could. She had made a joke. Hey, you brought everything but the kitchen sink. So actually I did a painting of our kitchen, kitchen sink. And I put it in front of her bed. And I turned around and she says, you look terrible. You look like somebody's going to die. Um, I'm kind of feeling like that. What, you think I'm going to die? Uh... Yeah, well, I am. Mom, who told you? She goes, Carol, I have cancer. What? How do you know? Carol, I'm the one who's sick. Well, she said, of course, I have cancer. At least I know what I'm going to die of. A lot of people worry about death. A lot of people wonder about death. I don't. I'm going to die of cancer. Okay, move on. Mom, I'm not supposed to talk to you about this. She goes, what's your problem? I said, I don't know if I should go to Japan. Why don't you know? Carol, either God called you or not. I'm telling you, Carol, when you were a baby, we dedicated you to the Lord. We brought you forward. We said, Lord, she's yours. We're not taking you back now. Forget it. She said, if I died today and I stood before the Lord and he said, Nellie Potratz, I called your daughter to Japan. Why did you hold her back? Now you're here and she's there. Why? No, Carol. If you're called to Japan, you go. But if you're not called, you don't go. Don't put that on me. It's between you and God. And Terwilliger, this morning I say to you, whatever's holding you back is between you and God. He wants to give you more than you can imagine. And so in October of 2010, I met Kay in my own home. I had invited two women for lunch. And as we shared stories and I got out this book and I told her about it and we compared stories, I realized Kay was sitting at my table. Kay, who I prayed for for 52 years. Why? How? What? God, the God you came here this morning to worship, is worthy of your praise. He longs to do the same for you as he did for me. He longs to use you like he did me. Because you are worthy, Terwilliger, to be used of God and to know him at a deeper level. Open up to the idea.